Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branvold. As always, Jay Gilbert's joining me. Jay, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, thanks. So, before we get into an amazing discussion this week, uh, we got to show some love to some amazing sponsors of the podcast. As always, every week, we're brought to you by Bands in Town and HypeBot, um, what more praise can we can we give to those two companies? Uh, you know, go check them out. You've got to be aware of those. And we're always brought to you by Bandzoogle. From garage bands to Grammy winners, Bandzoogle powers the websites for thousands of musicians around the world. Their simple step-by-step system will get you online in minutes. Choose from dozens of mobile-friendly templates, then customize your design and content in just a few clicks. Built for musicians by musicians, Bandzoogle has all the features you need for your website and EPK already built in, including, and this is all pretty cool, merchant download store to sell your music and merchandise, commission-free. Yeah, that, that, That's great. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a credit card processing fee to whoever you use to process the payment, but Bandzoogle isn't going to ding you for uh, a percentage of your sales. They have a yep. tour calendar to promote your shows. And guess what? Sell tickets yourself, commission-free. They have their own mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters. Um, integrations to pull in content from places like Twitter and YouTube and SoundCloud. And, of course, live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. And I think it's really important to stress musician-friendly, built by musicians for musicians. That's right. These guys do this for musicians. It's not like going to a WordPress.com and anybody can use it. This is built with features set in mind for musicians. Um, Plans start at $8.29 a month includes hosting and your own free custom domain name go to bandzoogle.com to start your 30-day free trial and be sure to use the promo code write this down music biz weekly to get 15 percent off the first year of any subscription it's bandzoogle.com promo code music biz weekly to build your website and epk today so we have a amazing guest with a great discussion today. So today we have Chris Castle, and I'm really excited about it. We've had him on the show before. He's an attorney. He's a writer. He understands the music business. He can take these complex issues and make them understandable for the layman. Um, But I'm really excited about this because it's all about pledge music, and we have so many unanswered questions. Yeah, this is, you've got to sit in for this discussion um, you know, pledge is a, a, a forever evolving topic right now, but we get a little bit of insight from somebody who understands the, the, the legal ramifications behind all of this bankruptcy administration, the whole thing. Yep. All right. Let it roll. Uh, this week we welcome Chris Castle. Um, he specializes in the music industry, digital media, public policy. We're thrilled to have him here. Welcome, Chris. Thanks welcome for joining back. us. Thank you guys. I'm good to be back. Good, good. So, 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 Chris, let's let's just dive right into what we really kind of want to get your take on is is the the pledge music world. What what happened? 
where where do things stand and mainly from your legal standpoint because Jay and I did an episode on pledge music I don't know what Jay two months ago when yeah. when yeah and and it, it got a lot of great response because we weren't really doing anything other than saying well this is kind of where it's at but understand nothing's been said nothing's been confirmed not much has changed we 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 chatted in email yesterday that a one-line statement was released by pledge music yesterday which you know paraphrasing basically said we're still pursuing one sale and that was the end of it so to to artists out there to anybody who is been impacted by pledge and this could even be the fans what's your take on all of this well um if you go back and look at the timeline and um i actually did that um Around 2017, mid-2017, they released a statement. And this is just basically looking at the public statements of the company, right? Not anecdotal information, because there's plenty of that once you start talking to artists. But let's go with what we know. Uh, They brought in new investors in mid-2017. And that was offered up as sort of an excuse for why things were getting slow. That was the very earliest, I think, that people began to feel that there was something not quite right. It wasn't the avalanche yet, but it was starting to build. You know, I I, I would add a comment to that back in 2017, because, yes, now as we look back, we can see these little signs that were happening. But... And and I'm just speaking for myself, but back in 2017, you know, I I was using it as a fan and I was using it with clients. I really hadn't gotten any, there, there hadn't been payment issues. Let's put it that way. That's where you would start seeing a little bit of pain of going, hey, you guys are a week late on your payment. Right. That hadn't happened. You know, shipments weren't weren't being screwed up or anything along those lines. Maybe there was a little bit of... Uh, oh, I've got a new rep that I'm talking to, or, you know, you took a week longer to reply to this email than I thought it should take. But are you guys there? Or did we freeze? Yeah. Okay. You, All right. you froze up for a second. But... Um, so it, at least for me, I didn't feel like in 2017 that there was, I was starting to go, oh, I'm a little concerned here. Right. I think they had, they probably masked it very well but that sounds like chris that's when the crack started to slowly appear right well yeah and the the first thing i thought when i saw this about new investors was why do they need new investors if they're just collecting money for other people and paying it out. Right. They shouldn't need new investors in order to do that. They might need new investors for other aspects of their business, and they right. might be trying to do other things. But in terms of the payments, they shouldn't need new investors for that. Right. 
So if you move ahead now to January of 2018, that's the earliest date that I could find that Pledge acknowledged that they were publicly, that they were behind on payments. And yeah. these are important dates for, for one particular reason from a legal point of view, right? Which is that what we know from the outside is not as relevant as what they know on the inside, right? Because you're, if you're an officer and director of a company and you become aware that that company is insolvent, let's just say that's, that means they, their current obligations when due. There's a few different interpretations of what that means, but that's a common one, right? Um, then your, fidu your, your fiduciary duty as an officer and director arises as to the creditors. Normally, most people think that the officers and directors owe a duty to the stockholders, which they do. But once they become aware that the company's insolvent, then the people who are relying on them to be um, forthcoming and transparent about whether they're going to be able to meet the obligations of the, to the vendors, let's say, and in this case to the artists, um, rises to, can rise to the level of a fiduciary duty. And, and that's, when you think about it, that's logical because if you're at an early point where you're insolvent, but you're not bankrupt, right? You're just insolvent, you're struggling. Usually the only people who know that or the people who know that first are the officers and directors of the company, right? right? So that's why we put that under, in the law, you put that additional burden on them at that point in time. So there's a question in my mind as to um, what evidence there might be inside a pledge um, around this time period. And that's quite a while ago. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, usually, the, the, you know, think, when you start talking about what their obligations were and what they should have done and when they should have done it, you're usually talking about a 90 day ish time frame, right? So it's fairly short. And it's short for a reason, which is that if they don't have any money today, unless something unusual happens, they're probably not going to have any money 90 days from now, and they're probably going to have even less than they have today, right? right. So we want to kind of move things along to the solvent part or to the bankrupt part, right? Right. The reorganization part. So that's, that's why these dates are, are important. Right. Yeah. It's interesting because I could see things happening. Uh, all these red flags started popping up when, for example, people started losing their jobs. Right. I had a product manager. Oh, they were gone. I was to another one. And it seemed this happened almost every month. And I would go higher up the food chain, meaning that instead of having just a right. product manager, next thing you know, I'm like, one of the co-founders is now managing my, you know, campaign. I'm like, this doesn't seem right. So I knew they were trying to cut some costs, but it didn't really rear its ugly head with me until I did, I did a campaign in 2018 and it was going well. And when it came time to pay out, there was just a delay. It got paid, but I remember the manager of this artist lit him up 
called him and said, you said by this date it would be here. It's not. This is unacceptable. Boom, they got paid. And again, a little red flag like, well, that's kind of weird. And they said it was like a new bookkeeping system. Like, hmm. Okay. And then leading up, you know, into, you know, 2019, I think, what was it? Was it February when they kind of? Yeah, it was kind of, yeah, February when right things February, just broke, oh, broke loose. Yeah. And, and yeah. right before that, I had a client who had already, you know, um, Chris, for those who don't know, what is it like? Uh, 50, 60% you pay out kind of when the thing goes live. And then when everything's kind of settled up at the end, um, it's the rest of it's paid off, give or take, right? So my client had been paid the first part. And of course, Pledge Music got their 15% at that point, right? That We're wasn't... Yeah. 15% on 100%. <laughs> Thank you very much. And that was paid off at that point. But then that second quote-unquote half never, never got paid. Yeah. Never right. got paid. And what I found interesting um, looking through, you know, uh, the deck that you put together, Chris, and, and looking at the timeline, in the rearview mirror, I'm like going, oh, man, of course that makes sense now. But when we were going through it, we were just kind of scratching our heads going, huh, that's odd. And then we just keep going. Yeah, it was sort of like, oh, it's just a little hiccup. But, <laughs> but you know, I'm the same as you, Jay. It's like now that I look back and I'm like, yeah, if you started adding all of those little signs up, it painted to a bigger picture. And right. maybe because it didn't all happen within 30 days, yeah. it was It was over time. It was it was over years basically that this happened. Yeah. Well, and this and but but to to your point Jay about um them paying the manager who made the most noise, right? This this has come up this is a recurring theme with these guys. It's like, it? well, although now they've, they've quit paying people at all, but, but um, in that late 2018 through about mid 2019 period, um, they were, um, or excuse me, mid 2017 through about the late 2018 period, they were doing this, right? You would hear this all the time. Ron Stone, you know, various people, would say, yeah, I lit them up and I got my money. Well, we, in the in the law, we call that a preference, right? And the Clearly. core principle of bankruptcy law in the UK or here doesn't matter because remember they would they are taking the position that UK law applies here, and you know that's a deeper conversation, but. Um, there's a core principle of what they call pari passu, which is that all creditors are treated equally. Ah. All, certainly all unsecured, let me rephrase that, all what they call unsecured creditors are treated equally. So if you're a secure, there's two kinds of creditors, essentially, there's more, but let's, for our purposes, there's two. There's secured creditors and there's unsecured creditors. What's the difference? So the difference is if you're a secured creditor, you have like a bank, let's say. A bank would almost always be a secured creditor if they loan money. And Lyric Financial loaned them money. There's a couple of banks that are in the mix on this that appear to have loaned them money. Um, when a bank loans money, what they, what they do is they take collateral, right, for the loan. Uh, or like a, uh. and, and it may not be, if it's a bank where they're making like a credit line available, to a company, 
that isn't going to be limited the way a car would be, right? So if you borrow money to buy a car, the car company has a security interest in the car. They don't have a security interest in your business and the car, right? So, but if you make a loan that's going to be used for general funds for a company, that's usually secured by everything. And in this case, there's a question as to what is everything? <laughs> because does everything include money that they owe that they never really took possession of, right? That was not their money, was never their money. Should it include that or not? Wow. Which is an important issue now sure. because what happens is the secured creditors um, go, go through a process which the law recognizes as giving them the best possible position in a bankruptcy, what they call a first position, right? So they stand basically behind the IRS, <laughs> you know, in, in terms <laughs> right. of money out first. Um, everybody else is probably an unsecured creditor. And that's where you get into the pennies on the dollar if you're lucky group. Right, right. But there's a fundamental threshold question here, which is if they had a fiduciary duty to the bands and they knew that they were going under and they started doing this preference, you know, these preferential treatments for people who made the most noise, one might argue, I don't know this, but one might argue for the purpose of keeping it quiet so they could continue to do this and take in money. There would be a period there before they stopped accepting pledges, right? Where they were right. money. Then they were not only creating, you know, picking and choosing who was going to get paid and giving a preference, which is, by the way, if you really want to go after it, probably voidable, what they call a voidable preference, which means someone who comes in later who didn't get a chance to participate in the preference can go back and try to claw back that money and put it back in the pot. They don't get it. For, they don't get to claw it for themselves, but they, they claw it into the pot and then the pot is divided. Right. So there's a lot to this. Yeah, right? no doubt. And, and it's a whole I'm not a bankruptcy lawyer. Right. But we did this. The thing I sent you the deck on was a panel that we did in Austin where we had two of the top bankruptcy lawyers in Austin who uh, gave us kind of the 411 on on all this stuff. And this is one of those issues. There's a bunch of issues that need to get resolved. Are you so, going to make that public like via your website or anything? I know we're, we're referencing it and it's not really out in the public, right? Yeah. Um, let me... Um, and I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't. I'm just yeah, curious. Let me just check. Let me just check and see if that's an okay thing to do. And, and if it is, I'll let you know. Yeah. And we can uh, we can post it. I mean, certainly, you know, it was a public meeting, um, but the slides were not. Made. Yeah, not to put you on the spot or anything. I no, just no, thought no, it was okay. so I've clear and well no, done that it it's you don't have to be an attorney to understand that timeline. It's in layman's terms. The, the one question I wanted to ask you that's really kind of uh, bothered me and kind of keeps me up at night is Pledge Music had other partners that would create some of these products for them, for these campaigns. One of them is Bandware, for example. Well, right. they didn't pay Bandware. And right. so I got a call from Bandware 
that really freaked me out at first, uh, partially because I misunderstood the nature of the call. But basically, they're saying there's a, this amount of money for these products that we made on behalf of your client, we didn't get paid for. And it was a substantial amount of money. Now, they weren't threatening me and they weren't saying you're going to have to pay this or anything. They were basically saying, look, we we took one for the team too, so maybe we can partner together. And so it all worked out and they're, you know, they're a fine company. It's nothing against them, but it's not just the artists that kind of got screwed. There's a whole, yeah, there's a whole world of people around pledge. Yeah. Right. And so, so, I mean, when you start putting it into the, into those buckets, right, you have, um, you have the vendors, uh, who, from what I understand, were recommended by Pledge, but who were actually hired by the artists. That's correct. So the payment obligation to the vendor is with the artist. In contractually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's um, right. So what you now have is not only does the artist not have the money that they were supposed to have, but they're <laughs> actually in debt. <laughs> right. They they owe these vendors. Right. And the vendors are out. We have a couple people here. I mean, one of the reasons why we were interested in it is because uh, that we have vendors here in, in Austin, you know, who um, are just out of pocket. And, you know, no, nobody's probably out of pocket more than about 10 grand. But, you know, when you're a business, a small business, that's, you know, 10 grand. That's, that's substantial. substantial. Yeah. That's payroll. Yeah, that's right. And so, you know, people are concerned, right? But I don't think anyone's going under because of it. But, but they're, I, I don't really know, but I, I, I haven't heard that. So, um, I, you know, when you look at the mess that this has created, you've got, you know, the pledge employees, let's say. You've got the artists. You've got the vendors. And there's probably a couple other categories. Well, let's not, for, let's not forget fans. And, and then the fans, yes, sorry. <laughs> yes, <laughs> fans, right? That, I, I knew there was somebody else. Nah. So the fan, the fan is out the money. Well, the fan, see, I, would, I think of the fan as being sort of in a different category, right? The fan is out the money. And the fan, in a way, has probably, well, definitely has some remedies available to them, potentially, that the others don't. Right. Um, so the fan could probably, um, depending on the particular facts, could probably make a consumer protection argument against pledge. In other words, they, they, um, if they knew when they took in the money that that money was unlikely to ever get to the fan, and they took it anyway, you know, I don't know. If if it rises to what we call crimes, <laughs> you know, but, right. but it's headed that way, you know, and particularly doesn't look good that they did it at, you know? Um, so we'll see how that all ends up. Well, you, you, you know, look, finish your train of thought here, Chris, because I, I want to then kind of go into that crimes comment <laughs> a little bit. So, so basically what you've got here is you've got a company that, Knew it was insolvent from all everything I can tell at, at, at some point in time before they stopped taking pledges. Continued to take in pledges. 
was deciding who to pay based on who made the least noise, was telling people if you make noise, you won't get any money, right? That kind of thing, uh, from what I've heard anecdotally. I mean, you know, sure. it's all subject to proof. And maybe it never happened, but, but I did hear it from a number of people. Um, and then you've got them talking about, you know, you, you got people lending them money, apparently, who should have diligenced the opportunity, right? One would and think. For them not to know, because I, I can almost guarantee you that in any loan document, there is an event of default paragraph. And in that paragraph, there is something like, if you're insolvent, whether we know it or not, <laughs> you know, then you're deemed to be in default and we can call in the note right right away so and, and sometimes if it's a big enough loan there's some disclosure obligations that you have on an ongoing basis uh certainly if you're asked uh, but you know the, the bank has the right to uh, get assurances you know that you're yeah. able to meet your obligations so i would say that there's there's a when when they go into bankruptcy they're bringing in a um, a host of, of um, issues with them that are not really the norm, <laughs> you know, for what, it's not necessarily what bankruptcy is designed to do. Although, you know, common to have to deal with some of these things. And that's why they have laws about preferences. And what sure. And you just mentioned bankruptcy. They haven't filed for bankruptcy yet, right? I mean, well, do we know what the status is of, uh, yeah. you know, the receivership or insolvency? And for for the layman, these all kind of seem a little nebulous. Well, do we even know and, what's really and, going and, on and, with and them? I guess let's let's be clear here, because again, this is in based in the UK. Right. They refer to it as administration rather than bankruptcy. Right. Is that correct? That's right. And are they two separate, different things, or are they the same thing? They're a little bit of the same. So um, remember, we have um, a few different flavors of bankruptcy in America. We have Chapter 11 and Chapter 7. And the, two, the difference, the big difference between the two is that Chapter 11 is a reorganization where, you know, the same people who drove the company into the ground <laughs> get to run it again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're, given, they're given a second chance to do it again. And a third, and a fourth. Your honesty is refreshing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, a bankruptcy judge once said, um, and it, it, we, we were trying to take some, uh, there was this one company that had never paid their artists or their songwriters in for like 10 years, and we God. were in there trying to, uh, basically take the company away from them in the chapter 11, which is not an easy thing to do. And the judge, and I kept hammering and hammering and hammering. And the judge then one day said, the law every, in other countries is that if you drive the company into the ground, you don't get to run it again. That's not the law in the United States. But today, it's going to be different. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he had a, an auction, essentially, in uh, 
chapter 11 and, and force them to sell off the assets, which is what we wanted. But in any event, uh, so what they call administration in the UK is very much, very similar in many ways to that chapter 11 reorganization. Chapter 7 is what we would call liquidation bankruptcy is where they sell off the typewriters and everything. Gotcha. The company stops operating, right? Um, now, the other thing to remember is that if you, if, if the company is truly insolvent and has a lot of problems, right, the other thing that you get by going into liquid, into bankruptcy or administration in the UK I'm pretty sure this is right in the UK. Um, there's a stay of litigation. So you, once you file, you can't be sued while you're in bankruptcy. Ah, and when you come out of bankruptcy, all the claims that, or, or if your assets were sold out of bankruptcy or administration in this case, all the claims that attached to the company before it went into bankruptcy are resolved and dismissed, right? Um, which allows a buyer of those assets to uh, take the asset at a discounted price and, and not fear that they're going to be sued, that they're going to inherit the fleas from right. the dog, right? right. <laughs> so um, that's what, and very often when you have these, when you have situations where companies are just not going to make it and you're going to, you're going to sell off the assets, the buyers will say, let's have a prepackaged, what they call a prepackaged bankruptcy, where we all go into the court and we say, this is what they did. This is who they owe. All the creditors agree. The buyer of the asset agrees. We're going to go through bankruptcy, wash out the liabilities. They'll take whatever they get from the sale of the asset as satisfaction of their debts and then or their loans, or depending on what it is, right. their interests. And, uh, and then the guy can buy the asset out of bankruptcy without fear, right? So good for everybody, generate some money. That would be fine, except that those artists and those fans, either the artist or the fan, is do 100 cents on the dollar, right? And it's not their money, and it shouldn't really be treated as a debt because it was never a loan. Never a loan, right? right. Now, you can... My feeling about this is that it's going to be pretty tricky stuff to go in there and do what they call argue in the alternative, where you say, well, this was never a loan, but if you decide that it was a loan, Your Honor, you know, then treat me this way, right? I don't know. There's, it's a that, mess. That, that's, it, what, it, that's what it, it, it seemed to hit me when all of this came out into the open earlier this year was, this isn't a clean and simple bankruptcy like we're, most people would either be used to or hearing about this is this these are fans who gave money that was supposed to go right to the artist the artist didn't get the money you know i'm sitting here going this this is a whole different world of 
claims in a bankruptcy is basically uh, was my fear is like, what does all that mean? And, you know, even to the extent my one client was like, okay, we got paid our first 25% from pledge. Right. What if we kill our pledge agreement now, cancel this, um, but then pledge comes out of this at the end somehow saved? Are we going to be held liable to pay back the 25% because some previous are terms of service? You know, there's a whole lot of these little questions that, right. for the most part, I think a lot of bands aren't even thinking about. They're just seeing, damn it, I'm short $10,000 here, and I got fans that are angry and are expecting something. When the reality is the legalities behind this whole thing are as you said, a mess. They are a mess. And, and you know, it's also probably the first time that some a company like this has tried to go through administration. And based on what the board is saying, my personal curbstone point of view about, about what, uh, the way I interpret what they're saying is, don't look over here, look over here. You know, right? Nothing uh, to see here. Yeah, nothing to see here. You know, this is just a normal <laughs> bankruptcy. You know, we're no, no, no. We're going to sell the assets. Yeah, no, no, no. It's not. What what kind of assets do they have, Chris? I mean, it's a, such a interesting and unusual business. It's not like they have tons of products because those products were coming from a third party vendor. I mean, do they have typewriters and desk chairs in an office that? I mean, do you have any sense of what kind of assets a company like that would even have, if any? Well, well, interestingly, they sold off um, noise trade, right? Right. But that was only like, what, $75,000? Right. Except that I talked to one of the guys from noise trade. I don't think there's any secret. I mean, he said he had tweeted about it. Um, but when they bought noise trade, it was X upfront and payments and they never made the payments or they didn't make all the payments i think i tell you that back they did i think they didn't make the last payment so they sold something that they hadn't completely paid for <laughs> right what could go wrong <laughs> um according to this guy right? oh my god i, I, I don't the know plot thickens happened, but but i i have no reason to think he's he's deceiving me so you know it's it's um this is another so here's another thing right so, oh, no, wait, you sold something. You're in breach of your purchase agreement, sort of, right? I mean, for the, like the last minute. So you almost did it right, but not quite. Oh, my God. And, you know, and this is sort of the story. This is what happens in these situations because they, they're cascading. But what we do know is they sold it. So if I'm the noise trade sellers, right, the original sellers, I'm saying, well, yeah, that's nice. You sold it, but you know, where's mine? Yeah, where's our cut? We were, you know, we, we were supposed make to make money off of this, uh, right? So, what are they now? Are they now another unsecured creditor? Yeah, you know, are are are, are the noise wow. trade owners, the original owners, able to go back and say, well, that seventy five thousand you got for selling the company should go to us? Well, they're gonna, they're probably. But you see, what this all requires, all of this requires, is for uh, 
you know, is lawyers. A lot right? of them. A lot of lawyers in the UK. <laughs> right. right. So it raises a lot of policy questions. And I know that UK music and the musicians union over there and um, some other people have been taking a look at this in terms of whether the government should get involved. Right. Um, the UK government. The UK government. Yeah. And as in a formal investigation sort of thing. Yeah. They would be lucky if that was all it was. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, but, if if, you know. if any of our listeners have been following the news, I mean, the UK is not afraid to take on the likes of Google, so, and <laughs> yeah. win. <laughs> yeah, right. And so I think, you know, there's, there's a question as to whether they should even be, I mean, to me, there's a question as to whether they should even be allowed to go into administration, you know. Interesting. Uh, because well, it's... It doesn't seem like they got. In, in, there, there's, bankruptcy is sort of like an equitable remedy, right? And and there's an old maxim of equity, which is if if you want to receive equity, you must do equity. So you can't come and ask for relief with dirt with unclean hands, right? right. And so there's there's a lot of questions I have about exactly how clean are their hands. Well, you know, and, and and that gets to what I wanted to ask you about. You mentioned, you know, the word crimes. In in, in your personal opinion, um, is this a case of just a whole bunch of bad business decisions? Or is there some crimes going on? Was, 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 potential you know, crimes. Potential crimes. I mean, and, and, and you know, this lead, this is leading out of the fact, as you said, um, this musicians union over in the UK is is championing to do an investigation into this. It, was there something, some wrongdoing going on here? Not just bad business, but actual wrongdoing. Well, that's impossible to say for sure without really looking into it. But I think the behavior that you see on the outside is enough to where um, somebody... I think should look into it. You know, um, you can, you know, they have, I, I'm not sure exactly how it would work in the UK, but here there's something called a civil investigative demand, um, which is kind of like a, um, interrogatory or a subpoena that they send that the, that the prosecutor would send before filing a case, gotcha. right? um, to get more information. So it does seem like, it's the sort of thing that people ought to be taking a close look at sure. simply because everyone involved is a relatively small actor, right? Sometimes I, I think there are very few major labels that were involved in this, right? So almost everybody involved is an independent or an individual in the case of the fans or, a, a, you know, a small business in the case of, of the vendors, right? And who is going to, look out for them if the government doesn't yeah they can't afford that this is a messy thing yeah and this is one of those things where the legal fees involved with with trying to figure it out in bankruptcy which is a cumbersome place you know to do all this in is are are, going to be out of this world 
She should remember, and this is all in the UK. It's not going to be in a court of law, a court here in California or New York. It's the UK. And don't forget, administration, one of the big differences between administration, as, as I understand it, one of the big differences between administration in the UK and bankruptcy in the US is that administration is not necessarily held in front of a judge. Right? Really? Our is it like arbitration? Is it kind of, yeah. Yeah. I that's that's something that an expert should really comment on. But I think yeah, sure. it's a non judicial uh, proceeding that has legal effect. Gotcha. Right? What's your sense of the timeline, Chris? You know, could this drag out for years or does the UK have a reputation for, you know, getting in there and getting things done in a timely fashion? What's your what's your gut on that? Well, the time period to propose a plan of administration in the, in, in a UK administration is uh, pretty short. I think yeah. eight, I think it's 8 weeks. But that's once they file once they actually go into administration and they haven't done that yet. So they managed to delay this again, you know? Um, well, yeah. at, at what point does someone, some entity force them into administration and say, well, that's, you that's can't keep why, doing this. There, well, in our country, we have something called an involuntary bankruptcy, right? Where that very thing can happen. I'm not, familiar with um, uh, you know involuntary that equivalent in the UK um, I would imagine that there probably is something right because it's logical it's and and a lot of our bankruptcy law comes from the UK so um, I would imagine that there's probably some way to do that uh, but that I think would be better handled by the authorities. Because I, I, I feel like, you I know. Art go pitter pat like a little call from the Crown Prosecution Service. We've got so many bands and fans that are sort of just like, somebody tell us what we're supposed to do. Right. You know, they, they're just like, I know I haven't, gotten my, I haven't gotten my money. Yeah. Tell me, am I supposed to go to this website and file a claim that says this is how much they owe me so I can get my pennies on the dollar? Is somebody going to just say, sorry, bad luck, you're getting zero, move on with your life, you're going to have no, nobody's going to come knocking on your door for anything you said you would do or agreed to in a terms of service. There's just a lot of people, at, and or, as you mentioned earlier, that aren't in a position to have a lawyer to consult with and go, what should we do here? They're yeah. just sitting here going, at what point do I pull the trigger and tell my fans, call your credit card company and see if you can save yourself? Well, I think, so that's an angle. Uh, I don't know how the credit card company is going to react to that, but they're actually another potential source of help here in a way. Uh, because if they get enough of these calls, you know. Right, right. They may want to do something about it. Um, there is, I mean, the UK has um, a layer of transparency that we don't really have here um, through a website there, uh, which is called corporate. I think it's called Corporation House or Corporations House. Let me see if I can just pull it up while we're talking here. Um, and they keep 
track of filings of various kinds for um, private companies in the UK. And um, I would keep an eye on that. Right. Yeah, here it is. It's um, Company's House. Company's House. Yeah, Company's House. Just Google Company's House, and that will get you started. Um, but I think, you know, if you want to try to get money out of the bankruptcy, I think you're going to have to play the game of um, filing of what they call a proof of debt in the UK, or we would call a proof of claim here, um, and, and acknowledging, for that purpose at least, that it is a debt. Right. right. Even though I don't, I personally don't think it is, but I think procedurally that's probably what you'd have to call it. You might want to attach a letter to it saying, you know, I'm filing this, but I don't really believe that this is an actual debt and I reserve the right to argue that it isn't or something like that. Um, but you want, you, you, you want to obviously you want to talk to a lawyer, right? Yeah. And, if you can. You need, you need to get a UK bankruptcy lawyer to advise. Oh my gosh! And, and that's not cheap, you know. See, Chris, let me yeah. ask you: Is this something where we could see class action lawsuits pop up? Well, I think so. I mean, you'd have to uh, identify the class, and, and when you look at these buckets, you know the 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 artists pretty clearly all have a common set of facts. The fans all have a common set of facts, and the vendors all have a common set of facts. They're different functions, but they all relate to the same transaction in a lot of ways, right? So you might be able to say there is a class of all those people with that narrow intersection, right? Uh, and you, you would sue for... Um, you have to think of what your theory would be, right? Well, you know, and, and my question would be, if if you're suing, you know, as part of a class action lawsuit, and Pledge Music doesn't even have the money to pay out, you know, the thousand, few thousands of dollars they owe you, who's going to pay out a settlement in a class action lawsuit? So, who would be on the other side of the class action? Right. Well, if you go back to the breach of fiduciary duty, right, that is a duty which arguably uh, is owed personally by the officers and directors. Seriously? Wow. And so uh, if, the, and if they have engaged in some sort of bad behavior, that's outside the scope of their employment. That's a lot of work legally, though. To, sure, to it sounds like it. That's a case. That's a. But it's not that. It's not that hard. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. that's what it has happened. Really, if it really comes down to this, um, and you might get a little help, you know, if 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 they are prosecuted by a, uh, I mean, you know, you can't mix <laughs> match civil and criminal. You know, you can't use a criminal case, a threat of criminal prosecution to win. A civil advantage, but the fact is, if there's a criminal prosecution, um, the standard of proof is higher in a criminal case than it is 
in a civil, civil. case, and a lot of the same issues <clears throat> were presented in a criminal case. So, you know, I don't, I don't know if anybody's going to do any of this, but that's one way you could go to, to recover. But that, again, that would be best handled by a class because each individual is owed a small amount of money, you know, so it's kind of hard to, uh, it's kind of hard to recover, you know, yeah. $500 here and $10,000 there and $1,000 in the other one, you know. But if you said, and this class is owed X million dollars plus a penalty, you know, then that would be a point at which it could be distributed out, could be paid in and distributed out. Um, and I'm not, you know, there's insurance, you know, there, there's other potential ways, but it would be a lift. And you might not win. And Chris, at, at this point, for all of the unsecured creditors, the bands, the fans, the vendors that are out there, is there anything they should be doing right now? Or is this still pretty much you got to just sit and wait for something to happen? They got to well, make the first move. I, I think that um, they need to get with a lawyer. If they can, yeah. If they can, yeah. And decide what they need to do to preserve their position. Uh, and I think once, they, once the company goes into administration, I would not be at all surprised if, uh, you know, there'll be some kind of instructions on the company website as to what to do. Um, but there's, um, um, you can unilaterally file, uh, I, I have to believe, you can unilaterally file this proof of debt um, once they go into administration. And there'll be, company house would, would probably be the focal point for that. And, and, and I guess kind of, there's so many questions, but we, we've got to wrap things up here. Um, final question would be, if they make a sale, like the last statement said they're hoping to do, one last sale, is that really going to benefit all these unsecured creditors at the end of the day? Depends on how much the sale is. And, um, I, you know, if they, can, if they can find somebody who come in and say, you know, we want to buy the company and we want to continue running the company the way it, it was operating and we'll make good 100 cents on the dollar to all these people who are owed money. Great. <laughs> you know, well, what, yeah. I mean, honestly, I, what's the rea okay. what's the reality of that, though? Yeah, well, I don't know. You know, I mean, I, I would I would tend to think that that's probably not very likely. But then again, if they're going to sell off their assets, I don't know. I don't know what they're selling. Right. So it's kind of hard to. That's true. We don't know what they're selling. We don't know what goes, what responsibilities might go along with that sale. Right. Well, could probably be as simple as their software. Yeah. It's probably if it's if it's sold through administration and the and the statement that the board made, the pledge board made prior to this last one indicated that there would be a connection between those two, which smacks to me of that prepackaged bankruptcy that we talked about. Right. And that would make sense. I mean, that's right. I mean, why else would you, nobody in their right mind would buy anything from a company if there was even a possibility that there might be a fraudulent conveyance, you know, right? Or, or sure. that, the, that the sale could be clawed back in some way. 
So, or that they could end up in hot water of another kind, right? So I, I think that if there's a sale, it's probably going to not be very much money. Gotcha. The, yeah. And, and if it goes through administration, then they're all going to, they're going to pretend that all these people are creditors and, um, unsecured creditors and they'll get either nothing or something kind of in the limit, you know, not, not very much. Gotcha. Which is sad. I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it is. Particularly because, you know, pledge got paid their 15% on a hundred percent before they ever paid out any money. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. They, they were whole or they just never paid you out. Right. That's right. Uh, I, I, here, one one final question. Looking back through all of this, um, and there are people that are out there that still do crowdfunding, and as Jay and I said, we're big fans of crowdfunding. We we right. like the concept, the, the model, the model, the whole thing. What are the lessons to be learned from Pledge Music if you are somebody currently doing crowdfunding or thinking of starting your own crowdfunding platform? Don't commingle the money <laughs> you know the, the fans money is the fans money keep it in a separate account um, and don't hold on to the money right in other words what they did by the way they structured their model was create the possibility for this problem they create a moral hazard situation right away because they're holding the money and they decide when to pay it out so that right. it was be. all in one pot yeah and and they took the money from everything we understand from the outside. They just deposited all the money into one big account, into their operating account, which they never should have done. That was a mistake if that's what they did. Uh, so for crowdfunding, I would say the Kickstarter model is probably your best bet, you know, which is not as flexible as the pledge model, but at least everybody got paid. Sure, sure. Yeah, there's just this is this is yeah, so interesting and so much yet to be said on this topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I think there needs to be some legislation about this. Um, yeah. You, yeah, you can't just have people going out there making it up, right? Um, right. It's got to be a watchdog. It's got to be a watchdog. It's got to be much greater transparency in a business and like this. and accountability and accountability, sure. so that an artist knows. The money is not commingled. The money is in separate accounts. That you know, it's protected. My fans are protected because at the end That's of the right. day, the fans could be holding the anger against the artist, even though the artist got screwed at a much greater level than any individual fan did. Correct. And then there's the vendors too, right? I mean, the absolutely. Vendors, the vendors Just, need to, you know, feel like they're going to get paid and that they yeah. don't. Have a problem with the artist. You know, no shortage of victims here. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Shortage. So, Chris, you know, I, I've read a lot of you know your writings, and I know you do speaking things. Where where can people find you? Where can people learn more about what you do? Uh, well, the my website is christiancastle.com, and um, I have a couple different blogs. But if you go there, all all will be revealed. <laughs> <laughs> man i i can't uh, thank you enough for kind of walking through this 
it's a very complex situation and you've oh, yeah. simplified a lot of it for us. And yeah, there's a lot of questions that are unanswered, but I feel at least I know a lot more than I did at the, you know, an hour ago. So I thank you for that. Yes. All right. Thank pleasure. you so much, Chris. All right. Thank you guys for what you do too. Take yes. care. Thank Thanks, Chris. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Jay, fascinating discussion. Um, you know, the, the whole pledge story is, is sad, amazing, continuing to unfold yeah but it was good to get the perspective somebody like chris who's got the legal the legal understanding behind right. this i mean you know there right. was he was there was a lot of speculation on his part of course because we don't know but it sort of gave me a little more of a reassuring of okay i kind of understand what's happening now out here I, I agree. I understand kind of a, I have a better overall understanding of how things evolved and kind of what the options are. And Chris is very good at explaining complex things um, like the law in simple terms that knuckleheads like us can understand. And I really felt like I, I came away with an understanding of where this might go and what some of the options are. We don't know where it's going. And, and as we talked about, the information coming out is coming out in little tiny drips every, you know, maybe month or two. We don't know what's going on right now. We don't um, exactly, and and what at least for me personally, what I was hoping to help were were the artists out there that listen, or you know, even small time managers who can't afford a lawyer to sit down for an hour, two hours and right. discuss what all of this means, you know, educate them on what crowdfunding is to begin with, and then what does all of this mean? And, oh, and by the way, this is all in a U.K. court, not in U.S. courts, so let's right. add that additional A little bit hurdle. different law, a little bit different there's, everything. There's so many artists out there who yeah. can't afford that and are just, as, as I said to Chris, are just wondering, what do I do now? What should right. I do? Do I just wait? Do I... Do I tell my fans this? Do I cancel my pledge? Right. What What happens? Because, you know, again, legitimate concern. I cancel my pledge now. Pledge gets purchased. Do I have to give the money back? I a don't know. A lot of questions. Lots of questions. But you know what? If, if people watching and listening to this podcast will continually check back, we will stay on top of this and we will kind of report anything that we hear uh, from our sources. Yeah, definitely. So... There you go. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. Thank you for joining us this week. As always, head over to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us a rating, and subscribe on YouTube so you never miss a weekly episode. That's it. We'll see everybody next week.